You're listening to Coldo D Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Our services are every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit our website at coldod.org. And I want you to just think for a few minutes that we are here. Isn't that deep? We are here right now. There you go. We are here now. We're not somewhere else. No, we're here. Right, David? We're, yes, we're here. You're here right now. You're not somewhere else. Some other time, you're here right now. So let's make the most of it, right? <clears throat> this is the only time we have that we know that we have, and it's right now. So, Father, we pray you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from your word, B'Shem Yeshua. We pray, Lord, teach us, help us to see. I don't think I'm the only one that has blind spots here. I sure do have them. More than I'd like to say, more than, than I'd like to admit, I have lots of them. And so, Lord, Help us see a little clearer today. We see through a glass dimly, a mirror dimly in 1 Corinthians 13. Help us see clearer than we have before. Open our eyes, B'Shem Yeshua. And we want to see you. Amen. Amen. So, uh, no soup for you. Remember that one? So, this one... Is no soup for you, Moses. No soup for you. Remember that? That's the, the soup Nazi, right? <laughs> From Seinfeld. Well, uh, I was sort of thinking, this is for Moses. No soup for you. Moses isn't going to get to see the promised land as a result of, of this episode today. This is uh, the episode quite an, uh, called the Waters of Meribah. Let's say Meribah. All right, the Waters of Meribah, the Waters of Strife. Now, that term is also used in... Exodus 17, I believe, where, where Moses struck the rock, right, and the waters came out. He was told to strike the rock, right, with his staff, and the waters came out. And this time, is he, tell, is he told by God to strike the rock? To speak to the rock, right. And we know what happens, right? He strikes the rock, right? <clears throat> and, um, but the water still comes out, still gushes out for the people, But Moses really loses it. And this is the episode where he is banned from seeing the promised land, from entering. I'm sorry, he sees it, but he's he's going to see it. But he's not allowed to enter the promised land, all because of this instance, this episode in his life. And we're going to look at it in Numbers chapter 20. And it says in verse 1, this first... In the month, the entire community, in the first month, the entire community of the children of Israel arrived in the wilderness of Zin. The people stayed at Kadesh, and there, notice this, there Miriam, Suzanne mentioned it earlier, died and was buried. So don't miss that. doesn't mention a funeral or a ceremony, the morning of her death here, but it's very, it could be very big. And Rabbi Jonathan Sachs mentions it, and I'm going to mention a few things about this. Because I thought I think it's there's a lot of insight he gives to this. It says she was buried there, and and uh, then it says this. Then we see this whole episode occur, and this is what we're going to focus on, verses two through uh, thirteen. 
there was no water for the community, so they assembled against Moses and Aaron, and the people quarreled with Moses, saying, If only we died when our brothers died before the Lord. Now why have you brought the community of the Lord into this wilderness for us and our livestock to die here? Why have you brought us from Egypt to bring us to this evil place? This evil place. Now it's hot. Uh, anyone that's been to Israel or lived in the Middle East, uh, or Uber driver last night, he's lived in Saudi Arabia. What an interesting conversation we had. Very, and his mother ended up was turned out found out was Jewish. He didn't grow up Jewish, but we had a great conversation. I hope he'll see we'll see him in our services soon. He lives close to here, and uh, very interesting uh, conversation. But, you know, if you know the heat, you know what it's like to be. And if you're hot and you're thirsty, boy, tempers can flare up, right? It's difficult. And there's nothing worse than being uh, dehydrated and the danger of being dehydrated. So they, they said, we're there. so they're panicking, they're, they're upset. And they said, why have you brought us from Egypt to bring us this evil place, a place where grain, fig, grapevine, or uh, without, without any of these things, with these beautiful things, or pomegranate, and there's no water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from before the assembly to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and fell on their faces. They did the right thing. They didn't, they didn't counterattack. They didn't try to defend it. They didn't try to deal with it. They, they went to the, fell on their faces before the Lord. They left. Don't argue. Don't, don't battle. Don't deal with it. Don't, when you're, when you're faced with this, something like this, don't try to, uh, enter into an argument. Just, Go to the Lord. Go, you know, let, let God deal with it. And then the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord spoke to them. So we'll, we'll, we'll look at that, the rest of that story in a moment. But let's look at what, at what could have been a situation. Miriam had died. And this must have been very hard on Moses. His elder sister has died. The one who was his confidant, his comfort, and his support throughout his life. She'd watched over his fate as he floated down the Nile in a pitched basket. She was the one to speak to Pharaoh's daughter and arrange for him as an infant to be nursed by an Israelite woman who ended up to be his own mother, Yochaved. Uh, without Miriam, Moses would have grown up not knowing who he was and to which people he belonged. We see her leading the women in song at the Red Sea. She was a leader, a woman who was a leader. She was not perfect. When she criticized him with her brother Aaron for marrying the Cushite woman, she was struck with leprosy. God struck her with leprosy. And Moses prays the shortest prayer on record in the Bible, five Hebrew words. Please, God, heal her now. He prays. Numbers 12, verse 13, just in the parashat just a couple weeks ago. He still cares deeply for her despite her negative talk. For the first time now, Moses faces a challenge without her. And for the first time, Moses loses emotional control in the presence of the people. One of the effects of bereavement as mental health professionals will tell us. And according to Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, his, may his memory be blessed, a careful reading of this famous episode in the context of Moses' early life suggests that Miriam was Moses' trusted friend, his confidant, 
the source of his emotional stability, and that when she was no longer there, he could no longer cope with crises as he had done until then. Interesting. It is an interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? I don't know if it's completely accurate, but it's really a great slant, a great way of looking. It's definitely some insight. And so this is what Moses is facing now. Let's read on. So what happens? So the glory of the Lord appears, verse 7, and the Lord speaks, spoke, speaks to Moses. And he says, take, here's the instructions now, all right? They fall on their faces. Divine, specific instructions are given, none of which make sense. Notice this. Take the staff. This is God's staff, remember, in Exodus 4.20. God says it's the staff of God now, becomes the staff of God. Gather the assembly, and then he's to speak to, speak to the rock before their eyes. A specific rock, and speak to it before their eyes. And they took the staff, so that's what happens. Verse 9. And, oh, and he says, that, and you'll give to the community something to drink along with their livestock. So Moses, here it was what he does. He takes the staff, good, from before the presence of the Lord, just as he had commanded him. Excellent. Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly, good, excellent, in front of the rock. And now he said, listen now, you rebels. Uh-uh. Not good. What's wrong here? Okay, several possibilities here. But number one, who's he talking to? The people. Did God tell him to talk to the people? He said talk to the who? To the rock. Now, didn't make much, doesn't seem to make much sense to talk to an inanimate rock. But that's what God told him to do. He addresses the people rather than the rock. Don't address them, Moses. And now Moses raises his hand. It says, he says, calls them rebels. Yes, you rebels, must we, br must we bring you water from this rock? We'll talk about this in a moment. Then Moses raises his arm, struck the rock twice. I don't, I don't read it as twice in the Hebrew. I, I don't know why. Every translation translates twice. I don't read it that way. It's pa-mim. Uh, pa which is just times. But anyway, with the staff, water gushed out, and the community and its livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron who's complicit because he's not stopping him, he's not saying anything, he's just watching it happen, because you did not trust in me as so as to esteem me as holy in the eyes of the children of Israel. You didn't holify me, is what is really is no way of translating it really you didn't make me holy you didn't keep me holy sanctify set me apart in the eyes of the children of Israel therefore you will not bring this assembly into the land that I have given to them and these are the waters of Meribah the waters of strife where the children of Israel contended with Moses and where the Lord showed himself holy uh, among them so Moses Strikes the rock, as I said, pa'amim, it's really times, it just, pa'am means time, it's just, again, he struck it many times, I think, probably boom, 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 probably just got, you know, like, why won't it work? Like last time, you know? Uh, uh, you know, uh, 
Proverbs 14:17, one with a short temper acts foolishly. Proverbs 21:23, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul out of troubles. Or Jacob or James 1:20, for human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. So the Lord speaks to them both and you know there are many possible causes leading up to as I said, emotional outbursts, heat exhaustion, lack of sleep. You know, if we don't get enough sleep, we know it can do it. Uh, PTSD, uh, of course, we know. Uh, reaction to medications. I, I know I've had that with changes of medications. Have you? I mean, you, uh, you hate, hate it, you know. Uh, mounting and multiple stressors and pressures can lead, and you find you have and you wish you didn't have it, and you say, oh my gosh, what caused this thing? But let me ask this question. What was Moses and Aaron's sin? Here's the big question. We're going to answer this next week. What was... No, we're going to answer... We're going to try to answer it right now. Ready? Right now. What was Moses and Aaron's sin? And we're going to answer it by giving you several possibilities, but not really answer it. Because there are several possibilities. Number one, striking rather than speaking to the rock. All right, that's what I kind of always thought and taught, probably. Striking it, and maybe it was. He struck it, struck the rock, rather than he spoke speaking to the rock. God had told him in 20 verse 8, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will give out its water. Right? God had told him to speak to it, and instead he Struck it. Bang, bang, bang. Or number two, speaking, as I said, to the people rather than to the rock. Was it doing that? In other words, out of reaction to them rather than from a place of response to God. That's such a principle that, may Lord, may you help us to learn because we're, need to, we're trying to learn that, Lord, daily moment by moment. Lord, help us to respond to you and not react at, against, at people because we fail in that daily. I do. Not react at people, what someone does to me, but respond to you. Was that the sin? He reacted in speaking to the people out of reaction rather than responding to God. Speaking to the people rather than to the rock. Or was it three? Calling the people rebels. (laughs) Listen now, you rebels. Psalm 106, here's an interesting passage about it. Psalm 106, verses 32, 33. By the waters of Meribah they angered him, and trouble came on Moses because of them. For they embittered his spirit, and he spoke rashly with his lips. James 1.20, we already mentioned, for human anger... The wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Or, number four, last one, ascribing the bringing of the water out of the rock to themselves. This is one that the rabbis mentioned. They, they said, we, must we bring you water from this rock? Verse 10, must we. So ascribing the bringing the water to themselves rather than to God. But I, think, I don't think that was it because in verse 8, twice he says in verse 8, 
you, God told him, he said, you will bring out water from the rock and you will give the community something to drink. So I don't think that one is correct. So what was their sin? Well, we know from verse 12, God already said, their sin was one of unbelief. Because you did not trust in me, so as to esteem me as holy. Kadosh, the word kadosh, let's say kadosh. Kadosh, right? To prepare for task, to other than, other, separate, other, sanctify, other. To prepare for task, you did not esteem me, make me, prepare, prepare me, let me prepare you. You, in the eyes of the assembly, you, uh, and he says, because you didn't trust me here, trust in me. Therefore, you'll not bring the assembly into the land that I've given to them. You didn't trust me. The Hebrew is from uh, where we get amen or amen from. Amen is from this root, emunah. Uh, it's lo ha emun tem bi. Emantem uh, bi, rather. Uh, you didn't depend, means to depend upon. Let's say aman, the root. Aman, right? Aman, the root. Emunar, aman. The to depend upon, to rely upon. Very simply, you didn't rely upon me. You didn't depend upon me. In other words, we, looking to the Lord rather than looking at man or at myself. Looking to myself, looking at others, rather than looking to the Lord. That was the problem that Moses, that happened here, right? Whereas someone said they had a conflict with the will of God to bring water out of the rock for such a rebellious people. And they didn't remind them of the miracles he had wrought in former time to encourage their faith. Thus the Lord was not sanctified by them before the people. Hebrews 3.19 says, we, so we see that they were not able to enter in because of a lack of trust. They weren't esteeming God as holy in the eyes of the people, but they were esteeming themselves. In other words, it wasn't a display, instead of a display of faith, it was actually a display of unfaith, if you will, of distrust, not of, not of trust. Think about it this way. Moses sinned by taking his focus off of the Lord and putting it on the people. Let me repeat. Moses sinned by taking his focus off of the Lord and putting it on the people. And he compounded his sin by taking the people's focus off of the Lord and onto him. Right? Because by his probably temper tantrum, <laughs> it was now on him rather than on the Lord. That was the, that was the problem, I think. Imagine what would have happened if Moses had simply spoken to the rock like God told him to. Can we imagine? Wow. The water would have still have gushed out as God made it happen anyway to provide the water for them so they didn't die. And, but God would have been sanctified, would have been holified in the eyes of the people. But God, what about Moses? Can't something be done so he could still get into the promised land after all this? 
Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verses 23 through 28, we know later, and you might want to turn there, Deuteronomy 3, verse 23, I'm going to read it, but I will read it to you, verse 23. Moses later tells us, he pleaded. He says, I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, saying, Oh, Lord, please, says, Oh, Lord, Adonai, you have begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand for what God is there in heaven on earth that can do so great and mighty things like yours. Please let me cross over and see the good land across the Jordan. I mean, this is terrible. He's not going to get over to the promised land. Can't you change your mind, Lord, and let me, you know, can't you, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Can I still, can I go in now? You know, Paul prayed three times, right, that he'd get delivered from what? That a thorn, right? Second Corinthians twelve eight. Three times he said, "Oh, it was a thorn in his flesh. It was just some little, little, tiny, tiny." No, it's a, in the Greek. I think it's a stake. You know, it was painful. I don't know. It was like a stake in his flesh. It was something, whatever it was. We don't know what it was. Some say it was blindness, some sort of blindness. Some say it was, uh, you know, it, we we don't know. There's all sorts of hypotheses of what. Paul's thorn, quote, thorn or stake in the flesh, flesh was, but it was something that caused him excruciating pain that God chose not, said, no, my strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to relieve you of this pain, this thing and this torment, thing that's tormenting you in your life. He said, for, says, I, but, and Paul says, when he finally took him three times to get through, he kept pleading, he says, take it away, take it away. He says, now I'm going to glory in my weaknesses. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to thank you, Lord, for it. Lord, for, for your power is made perfect in my weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 12. And so he said, uh, I, I, I realize you have a purpose in it. And Moses pr- is praying the same thing. Lord, please, deliver, please let me cross over to see the good land and, 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 and uh, get there. But the Lord was angry with me, it says in verse 26 of Deuteronomy 3. And he says, enough. He says he wouldn't listen to me. He says, enough. Rav in the Hebrew, good, uh, uh, great. Like, that's it. Uh, don't speak to me anymore. He says, stop talking to me about it. Uh, you know, First John 5, 14 and 15. I did a little devotion on that last week. Uh, and I mentioned those verses. You know, he says, if we, we know that we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have what he's, we ask of him. So in this case, it wasn't according to his will, and God, he didn't have it, you know. He didn't hear and he didn't ask. He didn't, he didn't receive it. So um, God's answer was no in this. He says, don't, tell, don't ask me anymore. He says, I'm not going to do it. But he says, go up to the top of Pisgah and look west, north, south, and east and see with your eyes... For you will not cross over this Jordan. You say, isn't that, that's like torturing me, you know. I'm going to see it, but I can't go over. No, God says this is the way it is. Get a good look. Get a good look, but you're not going over. But here's what you're going to do. Commission Joshua. Get your eyes off of yourself, Moses. Get your eyes on Joshua. He's your legacy. He's who's going to take it over. And get your eyes on him. You've got a, a, a great servant here. You've got, you've, Joshua's going to do it. Encourage him and strengthen him, and he'll cross over before the people and into inherit the land. And so you've got great things are, are going to happen, and you're a part of it, and it's just the same thing. It's just as good. 
And you'll get there eventually anyway, as we'll see in a minute. But he says, and then in Deuteronomy 32, verses 48 through 52, on that very day the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go up to the mountain. And he said, uh, spoke to Moses saying, go up to the mountain, uh, Avarim, Mount Nebo, the land of Moab facing Jericho, and see the land of Canaan, 32:49, which I'm giving the children of Israel, Verse 50, you'll be gathered, you'll be gathered to your people. You'll be gathered to your people as Aaron was, he died. Because, verse 51, because you both, you both, you both broke faith with me. You transgressed against me. You broke faith among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of children of Israel. And you will see, for you will see the land from far, but you will not enter there, verse 52. You will not enter there into the land that I am giving the children of Israel. God is not sentimental. God says, no pity party. (laughs) Sorry, but you're not going to see it. I mean, you're not going to enter it. You'll see it, but you're not going to enter it. Deuteronomy 34, verses 4 through 6, the Lord said to him, this is the land I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, saying, I'll give you this to your seed. I'll let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over there. God says, that's the way it is. Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. And, it's, and guess who buried Moses? The Lord did. The Lord did. This is, it's really mysterious around, surrounding Moses' death. He's, he died, and in Deuteronomy 34, 6, it says the Lord buried him. He buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, and it says no one knows his burial place to this day. <clears throat> so there has not risen again a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So God honors his memory. He was amazing. Uh, with all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do, uh, and so uh, but he didn't get to go into the promised land yet, yet. God chooses and uses sinners. A few closing points. God chooses and uses sinners. Men and women that are beset with frailty, right? You, me, we blow it, we fail. Every one of us, we sometimes have short circuits, might be acts of cowardice, might be instances of even lies, uh, like Jacob. We fail, we blow it, we fall into the mire of quicksand sometimes, make a mess of things, feel horrible afterwards. I know it's never happened to anyone here except just me. I'm the only one standing up here that has happened to Right? Oh, okay. Two other people, maybe. But you know what? Moses blew it. And 2 Timothy 1.9 is a great verse. I love this verse. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not because of our deeds, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Messiah Yeshua before time began before time began. And that's true of Moses, and it's true of you, and it's true of me. Leadership, another point, leadership carries responsibility. Greater reward and greater consequences. Greater consequences, too. 
Even though Moses didn't reach the promised land, he still lived an incredible, a great life. And he left an incredible, a great legacy. No greater prophet lived, with the exception of Yeshua. I would say, right? He left Joshua in his stead. And there's mystery, great mystery around his, surrounding his burial and even until now. The adversary says, he tempts and he taunts, and he says, have regret, and he says, to have regrets, and says, but Moses should have made it over. Moses should have made it over. What a disappointment. Oh, how terrible. But that's not the truth. Oh, something of this in your life should have been different. Something should have changed. Oh, if only this had been... No, you say that terrible thing had happened. Remember, I'm going to take this from Rabbi Jonathan Sachs too. I got this little from... I love it when he said there's no word, the word, there's no word for tragedy in, in the Hebrew Bible. That, that they had to create the word in modern Hebrew because there's no word. It's a Greek word, really, you know, in Greek, tra- Greek tragedy. Because in, with God, you know, everything ends up good. I mean, there's a there's bad, but there's a great ending. You know, God, you know, I read the back of the book and we win, right? Uh, <laughs> like what someone said, you know? So, uh, and I believe that, right? Always, do, always do. I don't care what, listen, we, but the enemy says, oh, it's hopeless. You know, why? How, how terrible? How terrible? How? So we don't, we take that out of our vocabulary, folks. Take it out of your vocabulary. Oh, what a tragedy. Take it out of your vocabulary. No, it's not. No, it's not. Moses should have gotten over. No, he shouldn't have. No, he shouldn't have. No, he shouldn't have. It happened. He blew it. Yeah, he blew it. I don't know if it was number one, two. I don't think it was number four of those four things. But one, two, or three. I don't know what happened. But, but you know what? He saw it. He said, suck it up, Moses. <laughs> it's the way it goes. You're not going to take a good look. But you know what? Get, help Joshua get there. Joshua's going. Get your job. Get your eyes on your job. You're anointed to do what you're appointed to do. To get Joshua in there now, right? And guess what? Moses actually would be in the promised land. Guess what? Just some 1,300, I think it's about 1,300 years later. Did you know that? With Elijah and Yeshua. Matthew 17, verses 1 through 3. After six days, Yeshua took him, takes him, with him, Peter and Jacob, or James and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. Now he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, guess who's there? Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with Yeshua, talking with Yeshua. There they were, talking together. The Mount of Transfiguration. He did make it. He did get there. Even before the Messianic Kingdom. Before Yeshua returns. So, praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for this lesson. And in the life of Moses, help us to learn from it. Help us to grow through it. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.